everybody. Welcome back to College Football Uncensored Podcast brought to you by Texas Pete. Down, set, sauce like you mean it. Visit texaspeat.com, enter promo code SaturdayDownSouth to take 20% off your orders for any other sauces or apparel. Again, promo code SaturdayDownSouth, texaspeat.com. I'm your host, Tyler Huck. This is Chris Marler. Chris, I'm back. I'm back in the saddle. Things were were Um, a little hairy this weekend. How? Yeah, I mean, we, we both had a big weekend. I cut my hair. By myself. Yeah, I just got tired of it. It was too much. By yourself? Too much. I mean, yeah, I, didn't, I was going to get a great clips, but I was like, you know what? I'll just do it myself. I'll, I'll pocket the $14. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like, like. Also, I don't know why they hide the prices on there because it is literally like 11 to $13, like every <laughs> single thing you get. Um, but yeah, so it's a big week for both of us. And um, you, I mean, you just got back from Tallahassee. Yeah. How wow. was it? Honestly, man, um, I, I feel so- sad that a game like that five years ago would have pissed me off to no end. Um, right. But we've gotten to a point now where, you know, they always say there's no moral victories in football. I felt great leaving that game. The the, the crowd was electric. Um, I will. I'm here to make an announcement, and I, I'm, I'm admitting this in front of everyone. It was very, very much alcohol-induced because they, they do sell alcohol in the stadium now. Nice. Which is scary. Um, but I did leave, in fact, leave the stadium when it was 3820. <laughs> Shut up. So you weren't even there for the, you idiots. I know. I know. It was bad. It, and I'm, like I said, wow. had things been a little different on the alcohol front, probably not. But I, I, I just felt this, the, the past five years of the bullshit I've watched on, on four state right. games just came rushing back into me, looked at my buddy next to me. I said, should we get Ubers? And he was like, yes. And us two left the whole rest of our crew stayed and openly mocked us the rest of the weekend for leaving, which we deserved. That. We deserved. So, um, did get to see it, you know, on TV in the, in the tailgate lot and then eventually rewatch the game. And it was fantastic. Um, and you know, it, it ended up being great. Uh, uh, honoring a legend and Bobby Bowden. That's true. Yeah. So big cool. weekend. Speaking of legends, Chris, let's talk about legendary flavors. Ooh. Texas Pete hot sauce has all of the sauces and seasonings you need to make your food the real MVP. Try some Texas Pete original hot sauce, dust dry seasoning, buffalo wing sauce, green pepper sauce, barbecue sauce, and more. Game day grub or any day grub deserves some Texas Pete. Mentioned it in the beginning, Chris. I love Texas Pete. Use it on pretty much everything. I, I, it's kind of embarrassing what I use it on. It's like eggs, pizza, cereal. Doesn't matter. Texas Pete on cereal. That's a bit much. Yeah, I mean, I might have made that one up. I use it as hair gel sometimes. Um, Pre workout. That's another thing. Yeah. (laughs) If anybody needs a haircut, like I got a side hustle going on right now. It's. (laughs) I mean, I'll undercut the shit out of Great Clubs. So it's it's nine dollars. Anybody wants one can get one. Um, but yes, I love Texas Pete. It is, it is my favorite. Also, you got to say uh, the Texas Pete dust like the right way. You say Texas Pete dust. Texas Pete dust. All right, I'll work on it. You know, it's my first yeah. read. Uh, visit texaspeat.com for recipes, hot apparel like Texas Pete shirts and hats. Plus, take 20% off your entire order with promo code Saturday Down South. Down set sauce like you mean it. Boom. Let's get into this, Chris. It has been fun. I've, I'm sad that I missed the recap podcast i was with the game on sunday you know we went down to the to tailgate tailgate lots and i just you know i didn't i didn't have time to record while i was down there so i appreciate 
our guest filling in for me. You guys did a great job. Um, last week was crazy though, man. What a, what a fun week. I, I, I will say though, there was some disappointing games. I, I like I was so hyped up for that Clemson Georgia game, and while the defense was, was a, a hell of a, a, a hell of a just show, honestly, between both teams, right. I just I don't love ten three games. You know, I mean, no one does, but it's also. I mean, I thought it was a great game. Like, it, like as soon as they had that pick six, I felt like it was over just because the way that those offenses were playing. But um, I mean, we'll get into it. We, we we've already yeah. recapped it a little bit, and um, what we do need to do is we haven't done this together yet because you were gone is get into our top five hot takes, our Texas Pete top five hot takes from week one, like overreactions, prisoner of the moment. Like, what do you have? Well, I'm just going to, I'll come right out. I don't even know if this is a hot take. I think Vandy might go defeated. Owen 12. Just defeated. <laughs> just defeated. Yeah. I think it's like, that's a very lukewarm take. Um, <laughs> That, that's like a Texas peak mild take. That's not even, I mean, right. like they got absolutely trounced by East Tennessee state university, the home, yeah. like the fighting Kenny Chesney's. Yeah, they've got six, uh, wins over F- FBS programs in their history. That was the sixth. Not good. How many of them were against Vandy? <laughs> I mean, it's six. gotta be like at least four, right? I mean, <laughs> um, okay. I mean, I like that. So I'm going to, I'm going to go in a different direction here. Something I, I was, pretty opposed to at the start of the year. Um, Tennessee's going to go bowling. Really? I, I mean, that Vegas line threw us off so much that the six wins, they didn't look great in game one, right? Like Joe Milton didn't look fantastic. He, he was up and down. However, the first two drives, I was completely sold on Hypel. And I think, you know, 38 to six, that game wasn't really closer than that necessarily. It wasn't as much of a blowout as like the score would, would tell you. Um, I was surprised that they ran for over 300 yards in Heupel's offense. Um, but I mean, like if you're a Tennessee fan, you come out of the gates, I mean, right down the field, first drive, 12 plays, 75 yards, you know, touchdown. Like at any time the ball is thrown from one person's hand into the air and it doesn't land in the opposing team's hands. Yes. That's a, that's a win. I mean, like if you look at some of the, Games last year with, with Jared Garantano. I mean, I think that's a, that was a huge plus for Tennessee. So there you go. All right. Uh, this is, this is a little bit hotter than maybe a lukewarm take, but I'm going to go Bryce young will be one of the finalists in New York. If it is there this year for the Heisman ceremony as a, as a freshman who had barely played at all, looked incredible against Miami. I mean, you compare his, outing versus CJ Stroud and CJ Stroud got way better as the game went on, but mm-hmm. Bryce young looked comfortable and competent from first snap. And yeah. I just think given the team, given what they looked like on Saturday and what their future could look like as far as the playoffs are concerned, I think Bryce Young's Bryce Young's going to be a Heisman finalist. Man, I, honestly, I would have disagreed with you like a week ago, but watching, watching Bryce young and that like, I guess Bill O'Brien, he, he called a, he called a good game. Right. And and he, he basically like he did, I would have assumed that Saban would have put him in like, just not a game manager role, but throwing 38 times in your first start ever against a top 15 team. I did not see that happening. Um, you know, we talked about like beforehand, I think before the game last week, like extending the play and how good he is at that. I didn't realize he was going to do it on pretty much every play. Like, so that was kind of, 
different, I guess, to watch. Um, but yeah, he looked fantastic. And I think if they throw the ball like that, like just with the sheer amount of attempts that he had, um, I would assume he, he's going to end up there as a top five finalist. All right. What's your uh, next hot take? All right, this is a hot take. Kentucky will win 10 games. 10? This is like a ghost pepper hot take. I this mean, is a very hot take. Yes. I think they're going to win 10 games. I'm a absolute prisoner of the moment. Will Levis, um, Wandell Robinson. They still have Chris Rodriguez. Chris Rodriguez goes for like, it's just a ho-hum, 19 carries, 130 yards. Um, they had two receivers go over 100 yards in that game. The way they were able to throw the ball is so different from what they were able to do last year. And I know it's Louisiana Monroe, right? But that yeah. defense is legit. And they have been legit, you know, under Stoops, you know, every, not every year, but like, especially over the past several years, I'll say. Um, I, I just really, I, I was impressed with the fact that not only they only give up 87 yards, they had six sacks, 14 tackles for loss. And I just think that they're a different team with that kind of offense. They looked good. Number one hot take. I think we both agree on this because it was actually a pick of ours in the season preview podcast. UGA is going to win the national championship. And I think, I don't think it's a hot take at all, honestly, but it no. is a hot take. I think when you people would, would probably lean Bama at this point, just given mm-hmm. the question was on offense, you lose so much, but man, UGA, we said it in our, our preview. That is a game that they like to lose historically. That's a good way to put it too. Um, so the fact that they came out, and I know it wasn't pretty. That defense, scary good. It was Ridiculous. so good. It was so the, the defensive line so fun to watch. I don't know if it's Clemson's O line being really bad. I think it has a lot more to do to do with UGA. Um I I really think that offense, they they probably tried to take it pretty conservatively in that game, given the fact that they they saw their D line dominating. I think you'll see starting this week against UAB, they'll, they'll start opening it up. You'll get guys healthy. The offense will start clicking, and that defense is going to be there all year. I think UGA goes all the way this year, undefeated national championship. Yeah. I don't even. I mean, like, I don't. I don't know who's going to be close to them. I, like that Bama game should be good, but like, I mean, Georgia gets basically eleven or twelve weeks just to sort stuff out, right? Like, I mean, and, and prepare, and like, I mean, they get a Clemson schedule, right? And, and that's not really even a knock on Georgia because they're playing in the SEC and you can only, you know, play the games that are on your schedule. And they opened up with the top three team in the country. But man, like, I mean, what a, if you're in that position, what an incredible position to be in. It, like, I mean, you, you have to be very confident if you're a Georgia fan going into the rest of the year. So absolutely. And those are our top five hot takes brought to you by Texas Pete. Again, go to texaspeat.com and a promo code Saturday Down South to take 20% off your orders for any sauce or apparel. Let's get into this week, Chris. Um, <clears throat> I'm excited. It's not as big of a slate as it was last weekend. Right. Uh, although, don't tell Nick Saban that. You know, and I love when I love every single time that Bama plays like a Georgia Southern or, a, you know, in this case, a Mercer, you know the rant's coming. Always. Always, but that's the kind of week it is, right? There's a lot of teams that are out there playing division or FCS or lower non power five schools. There are some really good matchups though, especially in the sec, honestly, and maybe they're not, they're not the higher ranked teams, but I think there's some really close matchups and, and given where the spreads are, I think Vegas agrees that we're excited about. And when we did our preview pod at the beginning um, uh, of this month, or I guess in August, there's some games this week that we circled that were make or break games for some teams. 
And so, um, but anyways, what are you excited about for week two? Um, I, honestly, man, I'm really excited for that Mizzou-Kentucky game. Just because I, I want to see, like, I feel like it, this is like the new, it, it's like the the really, really, really Kmart version of like Tennessee, Florida, like back in the 90s. Like whoever wins, this is not going to win the SEC East or the SEC, but it will most likely be second or maybe third place. Like, I mean, third place or maybe second place. I just was really impressed with Kentucky in week one. I was not that impressed with Mizzou in week week one against Central Michigan. But I also think, you know, Eli Drinkwitz has been like a really good coach. And like, I mean, they, they beat Kentucky last year. And, um, I think they lost the year before. But I mean, like Kentucky and Mizzou has been like a pretty good game outside of that 2019 game. It was like 29 to 7 um, the past several years. And I just feel like this year there's like a lot riding on it because if, if you lose – you're not out of it by any means, but starting 0 and 1 or 1 and 1, it's it's just going to be an uphill you know battle the rest of the year. I totally agree. I'm really looking forward to seeing which teams you you should get better from week one to week two. And I think right. there's a lot of overreactions after a week one every single year. You know, this year is it Kentucky's offense we just talked about? Could it be? In my case, Florida State, maybe Notre Dame's just not that great. We we really don't know. Um, it, it could be Washington losing to a, an FCS school. You know, maybe that was just one horribly bad game, and they go out and they beat Michigan this week. Right. You know, Iowa State looks not very great. I picked them for my for my playoff, uh, and they almost right. lost to Northern Iowa. So yeah, there's you know, is there a lot of overreaction? Do things come back to the middle? Do some of these teams that we thought were going to be good that had bad week ones, do they come back to center? Um, do some of the teams that maybe played above their head come back to center? Mm-hmm. Uh, it should be, it, there's, there, we're going to find out a lot more about teams this week than I think we found out last week. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, it, like, like I think one game in particular that I'm looking forward to that is that Mississippi State, uh, NC State game because yes. Mississippi State looked about as bad as you could look for for a lot of that game, right? I mean, like it's the largest comeback in school history, but you don't want to have that against Louisiana Tech in game one. And like, and they couldn't have like skated by or like, you know, gotten by like the skin of their teeth like anymore. Like, I mean, the missed field goal right. hitting like the crossbar. I mean, good God. Um, I will say that I think it'll be interesting to see if they do make an adjustment this week because they're going up against an NC State team that kind of had the opposite, you know? Like, I mean, they yeah. played a really, really bad South Florida team. Um, and Florida I gets them with, this weekend. That might be hammer. hammer <laughs> yeah, that Florida. might be hammer Florida. <laughs> um, but they, I mean, I mean, because like, USF has been awful, awful. Like, in, and like, I think they went, they won their first game. I want to say last year, then they lost their last eight or nine in a row. And I mean, and they've been getting just waxed. I feel like so. Um, it's not a, it's like not a great tune up. I feel like if you're going to go into what would hopefully be a hostile environment. You're going on the road like into an SEC stadium. I'm kind of shocked at their favorite. I mean, like they probably should be right. Like they should be favorite after what we saw last week, but at yeah. the same time, like an ACC school going on the road to uh, an SEC school, that's you know, kind of surprising. So, yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely get more into that game. The ACC looked absolutely brutal last weekend. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not a good look when the three teams that you tote as the best teams in your league all lose. I mean, week one. It was more than that, right? I mean, it's like, but I mean, when you think about the ACC, it's Clemson, it's UNC, and it's Miami. All three of them lost. Yeah, Miami's was the only, or I'm sorry, UNC's was the only one that was really, you know, you can't explain that. (laughs) But hey, it was one of the picks. We said we we brought it up last week as a pick, as I said, very tough to go into Virginia Tech on Friday night and win. So 
Yeah, you had a really good week week with your picks. I did not. I did. Let's get into this week's slate. Um, Let's start Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. Greenville. Hold on. I want to get into the it just means less. We got to get into the uh, what do you call it? Um, So the SEC games, what we want to see, the ones that we're not going to cover. So it is it is like a it's like week 13, but it's in week two cupcake week. Um, As far as Auburn goes, I know they're playing Alabama State. I want to see what Bo Nix looks like this week. Like if, if there's any kind of consistency and, and and if so, his first two games, he wouldn't have played anybody. Right. But I mean, the confidence he would have to have, if he puts on anywhere close to the performance he had last week, going into happy Valley next week, I think that would be huge. Um, Bama Mercer, Bama lost at one point, three different defensive starters during that. Uh, yeah. Tough Miami. news on Chris Allen. Yeah. Awful. And so, you know, like, can they stay healthy? Um, They don't really have a test next week, but you know, you have Ole Miss coming up at the start of October. Like, can they stay healthy enough to get through? It's a pretty difficult, um, I said, they don't have a test. They have Florida next week. So they do have a test. Um, It's a pretty difficult, I think first half of the season for them. So I want to see how that goes. A and M just from a gambling standpoint, they're a 17 point favorite. Jimbo's nine and one against the spread against non-conference opponents at A&M. Mm. Um, and last but not least, what, there was another one I wrote down. I can't remember UAB, Georgia, to me, I, I, UAB is, Bill Clark is like a fantasy, like gambler's dream as a coach. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, and UAB is awesome, man. Like, and they're not going to beat Georgia. It's a 24 point spread, but could they, be, could they make it competitive for a half? I don't know. I mean, UAB, they, Bill Clark is a fantastic, I'm surprised he hasn't got a bigger job yet. Um, and how does, how do they respond? Georgia coming off that absolute bloodbath of a defensive battle, sleepy three thirty game, UAB non power five component, you know, how do they look? If you're a championship team, you come out against UAB and you cover that spread. Right. Um, that's a game. I feel like they're a spot they've struggled in in the past couple of years. Um, so I'd be interested to look at that. Cause if they look, if they, if they beat UAB by, you know, 30 plus, Mm-hmm. I'm going to be all in on Georgia. I mean, we already are, but yeah, yes. I mean, I would agree with you. Even more. Yeah, there you go. Um, all right, let's get into the actual uh, games we're going to we're going to break down this week. Dive into Dowdy Ficklin Stadium, Greenville, South Carolina. Dowdy Ficklin <laughs> Stadium. If that ain't an SEC stadium name, I don't know what it is. It is uh, not. It is Saturday, not at all. I know, but it should be. I mean, Dowdy Ficklin is much better than Kroger Field. I'll tell you that much. It sounds like somebody <laughs> who just is always sitting on their front porch and never wearing shoes. <laughs> In my uh, opinion. Uh, this game is on Saturday, September 11th, 12 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN2. South Carolina at East Carolina. South Carolina currently a two-point favorite over under 56 and a half. This is the first time ECU will host South Carolina since 1997. Last time that happened... 26-0 shutout loss for ECU at home. Uh, they've lost four straight meetings versus South Carolina. <clears throat> what do you think about South Carolina, Chris? I didn't get your opinion on them. I thought they looked pretty good against Eastern Illinois. They I know look great, man. Eastern Illinois is not only an FCS opponent, but one of the worst FCS teams that are out there. So I don't know how much you can learn from that game. Um, they played some Beamer ball, though, brother. You got I mean, a couple, I, couple block punts, couple defensive scores. Mm-hmm. That's Beamer all the way, boy. I mean, Zeb Nolan is now tied for the lead in passing touchdowns in the SEC. Zeb Nolan. 
with Bryce Young. So, I'm so I'm so bummed that we forgot to talk about him last week. Yeah, I mean that. So like, let you know, let's just get into it this week because like that whole situation to me is is hilarious, and and mainly because of the fact that like I've joked around about this before. South Carolina has like just the whitest sounding quarterback room imaginable, right? Yeah. It's like Colton, Connor, Luke, Jason, I, and then you have like Zeb. Somebody with a Z comes in and it just like, it reminds me so much of like every shitty, like high school drama TV show. Like this guy with a Z in his name pulls up. He's a new kid in school. Probably he's like, <laughs> for whatever reason, he's like a year or two older than everyone else. And he, they never explain why. And then, you know, like he probably drives like a fucking Camaro and what, for whatever reason, Shane Beamer is just like, Absolutely fascinated with this guy. Like, doesn't care about Luke anymore. Zeb, Zeb, like the new kid, probably has frosted tips. All about it. <laughs> well, I thought the story, you know, they didn't have Harris. And right. Quandre White stepped in and looked fantastic. 12 carries, mm-hmm. 128 yards, a touchdown. Um, big thing for South Carolina this week. Is Doty healthy for this game? Uh, he because... said he expects to play. Okay, so... Do we think that he'll play, but not like almost kind of like a McKenzie Milton deal last week where like he came in because he was healthy enough, but really wasn't healthy enough to take a majority of the snaps. Do we, do we know that yet? Cause I think it's really going to change honestly my pick on the game. Depending. I mean, I, so for me, like, I don't think it will because like ECU, you know, you're talking about like they open up with, with app state, right? They lose 33 to 19. They scored a garbage time touchdown with like two minutes and 10 seconds left or something like that. So the game wasn't even that close, you know, mm-hmm. um, they gave up 485 yards to App State. Not great, and, Bob. No. And 226 of it was on the ground and they gave up 6.4 yards per carry. So I, I honestly don't give a shit who is starting quarterback because you have three running backs back there. I don't, I don't know like how healthy Kevin Harris is, but DeCondre Wright looked fantastic last week. Let him in, led the team in receiving and rushing. Um, you know, if, if Marshawn Lloyd is back or he can, you know, he's at least like serviceable, you can rotate those guys all day, just all day. And I, I think that, you know, like he's, this is a game they should win. Like from like a program standpoint, they should win. You're a two point yes. favorite. I, I like them on the road. They are a young, well, they're young in, in the fact that like into Beamer ball, into like Beamer's like coaching era. But I mean, this is a game they should still win. Yeah. Well, they should. I mean, it. it's, but the, the line is just so weird, right? I mean, ECU yeah. plus two, just, you would think South Carolina would be a bigger favorite, especially after ECU's performance last week. I mean, right. I like their QB, you know, he's a Greenville native, um, but, and they have the AAC running back of the year last year. And, and both those guys are they're both their running backs are really good out of the backfield. I don't know how much we learned about there, a lot of these games. Like, I don't know how much we learned about South Carolina last week. I don't, you know, right. Eastern Illinois, is whatever. Right. Um, gotta think, I don't know what ECU's home crowd is like, but gotta think they're, you know, in state rivalry. I don't know if it's going to be half USC fans. Um, but you gotta think that place will be going crazy to try to score the upset. Um, rowdy at dowdy. I love that. Um, if Zeb Nolan plays, honestly, I'll probably take ECU plus two. I'll just take the points, see if 
you know, there's a little bit of craziness there. But if Luke Doty plays, I'll take USC. I do like the under in this game, though. I think it'll be yeah. um, a game that goes under. I just, I don't know. I, I don't know how South Carolina's offense will look, especially if Harris isn't healthy. Doty's not really healthy against uh, at least a, you know, non-FCS opponent, like an FB, like a real FBS opponent. So what do you got? I mean, I'm, I'm going to take USC. Like, I know Eastern Illinois is not a good football team, um, and they're you know probably not even close to being on the level of ECU. And the line is weird. Um, I just, I mean, I think that like the defense last week again, East, Eastern Illinois, they gave up 109 total yards. I just, I, I feel like that's bad. more than anything. That's real bad. Um, I feel like more than anything. It is like, as long as you have two backs healthy or you, or you have one that is like healthy for the entire game. I just think that, that they will be able to run the football all day long. And like, if you're giving up 6.4 yards a rush to app state, I, I just, I mean, with, with that stable of backs in, in Columbia, I just, I feel like it's, it's a mismatch. So I'm taking USC. Okay. Let's do uh, let's go Saturday, September 11th, 7 PM Eastern time on ESPN two. Davis Wade Stadium in Starkville, Mississippi. We've got NC State at Mississippi State. This is a game we were talking about before. Um, Mississippi State currently, let's see, two and a half point underdogs uh, over under 55 and a half. NC State head coach Dave Doran has actually gone up against Leach four times in the past. Um, He was a Kansas. He was on the coaching staff at Kansas going against Leach at Texas Tech. NC State looked really good last week. One of my picks uh, that I just lightly dropped on the pod, we didn't even get into it, was NC State minus 19. I thought they'd you know, beat him by three touchdowns maybe. They won 45-0 against USF. And I get it. We talked about it. USF, not that great. It, they're still an FBS opponent, and they didn't score a point. Uh, it was NC State's first time shutting out an FBS opponent in 10 years. So I love their quarterback, Devin Leary. Health has been really the only concern for him. I don't think he gets enough love nationally. Um when he's on the field, he's been awesome. They have two really good running backs in Bam Knight, who ran for 163 yards and a touchdown last week, and Ricky Person, who had three touchdowns uh, himself, 105 yards and a 33-yard touchdown catch on a wheel route. Uh, 18 returning starters for them. Um, defense was really good last week. They have one of the best linebackers in the country in Peyton Wilson. On the other side of it, Mississippi State, you know, what a weird game, right? So they survived a scare, that's for sure. Um, they were up 14 nothing. They gave up 34 unanswered points to Louisiana Tech yes. and then had their largest comeback to win in school history after being down 20 points in the fourth quarter. Coming back, you said it, they won on a missed 46-yard field goal that hit the crossbar. Um, they turned the ball over four times. They committed 12 penalties. Picks. They just... They, just, they had six 12 times. They had six times. Oh, okay. They must have been just four picks. They had No, they had five fumbles and one interception. Jesus. Yeah. They, they, they had 12 penalties. They just... Yeah. They didn't look sharp. Um, now, Will Rogers looked great. I agree. I thought he looked really good through the air. 39 for 47, 370 yards, three touchdowns. They just haven't shown consistency much under Leach yet. And I get it. He's still turning the team around. I mean, he just came in last year as a first-year head coach in a pandemic year. Um, But they just just haven't been consistent. Yeah, that's fair. And it it was all... All that was in one game. (laughs) Right. Just encapsulated in one game. Five fumbles is outrageous. There's a little bit of luck factor there as well. For sure. But you're also... I mean, you're you're a a passing offense. Like it's, It's an air raid. Yeah. 
how are you fumbling that much? <laughs> that makes no that makes no sense at all. Um, NC State they've lost eight of their last nine uh, to the SEC. They're eight and three though against the spread in their last eleven. Uh, Mississippi State is actually only one and five against the spread in their last uh, six games at home. I, I just go back to the fact that Mississippi State having six turnovers and you brought up like the penalties too, twelve penalties. I mean, it was a very very poorly I don't want to say poorly coached, but I mean poorly disciplined team and, and first game, right? I would assume that that would be corrected. But you look at NC State's last four games, right? Going into 2000, because keep in mind, they played, they played a SEC team in their bowl game. They played Kentucky. Uh, they lost 21-23. They beat Georgia Tech before that, 23-13. Um, they beat Syracuse before that, 36-29. And then Liberty, 15-14. 15-23-21. And that 21 against in Kentucky in the bowl game was, again, a touchdown that was scored like in the last minute of the game. I don't know if they're going to be able to keep up like the pace they had in, in their first game with the 45 points. Um, they do return 18 starters, like you said. I think they're like an underrated team in a lot of ways. But going on the road against an SEC team and being favored, I just have to think that, that that'll be enough motivation for Mississippi State. And I'm going to hate myself for this, but I'm, I'm going to pick I'm going to pick Mississippi State. I, I just think that it like, went out right as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I don't trust NC state. Like, I mean, Dave Dorn, he, he's, he's played against SEC teams. Like I, I watched that Kentucky game last year. I think it was like the, like, what was it? The Gator bowl or, or whatever it was like Kentucky was a one dimensional offense, completely one dimensional. And they were able to beat you. I, I don't think that like, you know, Mississippi state's defense is not bad. Um, like despite what happened last week, also, I'm, I, you know, if you're ha having six turnovers, I'm sure you're not getting like the same amount of rest, probably some short field position as well. So yeah. I'm going to take Mississippi state outright. I think that like, if, if, if they clean up any of that, right. Like the penalties, there's no way they're going to have six turnovers. If they have five fucking fumbles in this game, I mean, it'd be impressive for one, because yeah. that would be 10 in two games. But I mean, I, I just think that that kind of stuff is so like, not easily fixed, but quickly fixed. So I'm going to go with Mississippi State. Well, um, the Sharps seem to like your pick. Mississippi State getting 16% of the bets and 44% of the money. So right. that means there's some big, big money being bet on them. And also Sharps um, are looking like they're on Mississippi State as well. So I don't like that for my pick, but my pick of NC State to cover this red and win the game is not necessarily bet on um, because of last week either. You know, when we were doing our preview pods, I was saying NC State, watch out for that game because Devin Leary, he wasn't he he wasn't the quarterback for most of the year last year. They're a completely right. different team with him at the helm. Um, he's healthy, and as long as he's healthy, I like NC State um, and a lot of games that they play in. Um, he's healthy for this game, so I like NC State to win and cover. Um, I also like the under in this game. Yeah, I think both I think defenses are pretty good. Yeah. Despite the score last year, uh, last week, like you said, with Mississippi State, I think you turn the ball over that many times, you're going to have short fields. Um, and so, you know, they're probably going to score a little bit more than they should have. So, yeah, agreed. All right. Let's go to the Johnny Majors classic here, Chris. Um, Goodness. I, this a, game is, I don't, I, I don't, there's like nothing in about this game that makes me want to bet on it at all. I, I tend to agree with you. Saturday, September 11th at 12 p.m. on ESPN, Neyland Stadium. It's the Johnny Majors Classic. Uh, Tennessee against Pitt. 
at Tennessee. It's at home, obviously. Tennessee, three-point underdogs at home, over under 56 and a half. The Johnny Majors Classic. It's a two-game series that the teams uh, signed up to play. This is the first of two that was put together to honor the late Johnny Majors, who coached at Pitt in the 70s. So first he played for Tennessee, where he was an All-American mm-hmm. running back in the 50s. Then he coached at Pitt in the 70s, won a title there behind Tony Dorsett, spent 16 seasons at back at his alma mater, Tennessee, then went back to Pitt. So that's hence the Johnny Majors Classic. But it's the first time the two teams have played each other in 38 years. Um, yeah. We talked about Tennessee a little bit earlier in our uh, Texas Pete Hot Take segment. I thought they looked okay, man. They played a horrible team. They didn't cover the spread. Joe Milton, I don't know. Uh, he didn't look very good in my eyes. Uh, he did have three touchdowns total, two of them rushing. I don't love the matchup for him because I, I do like Narduzzi as a defensive mind. Right. Um, he's just not very accurate, and and Heupel's offense requires hitting shot plays. Um, Mm -hmm. and he loves that. He loves for, he loves for the big play and Milton's just not that accurate. I mean, the the two running backs look pretty good last week, both went over a hundred yards. Um, they only allowed 219 yards total as a defense, but again, you're playing Bowling Green. Eh. Yeah. I I didn't realize how bad Bowling Green was. Yeah. They're one of the worst FBS teams in the country. Um, anything that you want to say on Tennessee before I talk a little bit about Pitt? I mean, like I, I, again, I was sold on the hypo like era or like the higher in the first two drives. Cause that's just something that like, I don't care who you're playing. Like that, that was lacking from like the, the former like coaching staff administration, whatever you want to call it. Like they were not going up and down the field. They were not going up and down the field with ease. Um, and Milton looked okay on the first drive. I thought, you know, I think he was like four or five or like six or seven. He definitely did not have a, a good game as a whole, like at all. Um, again, surprised they were able to run uh, or they ran the ball like for over 300 yards instead of passing because they're going to hype offense. I, I assume that it was going to be the opposite of that. Right. I, I just – like another SEC team as an underdog, but I feel like this one's kind of warranted. Just be, I mean, like Tennessee yeah. is like seven and uh, – actually, that's an Arkansas stat. Um, Tennessee has been not great like the past several years, right? It, it doesn't yeah. matter who like who they're playing, like, if it's home or away. Um it's so it's hard to like pick them in this spot, but at the same time, you're talking about a pit team. You know, they lost like a decent amount up front, like off that yeah. D line, which was like a fantastic D line that like where both yeah. those guys are like, you know, leaders in like the entire country and sacks and, and tackles for loss last year. I do like Narduzzi with the, with the defense. I'll tell you what, another part with, with Pitt is you look at their, their actual, uh, their last four wins. Cause you know, for the last five games, one of them included Clemson. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that one out, right? Yeah. But they won four of the last five games, not including Clemson game, and they've averaged 43.3 points per game in those games. So because their quarterback's like, been there for like 17 years. Always. Always at Pitt. Always. <laughs> and you know he's from Pitt. Like he's like – like I feel like every Pitt quarterback is not only from Pittsburgh, but he's like, yeah, he fucking – he lives across the minor. street from the stadium. He grew up in the concession stand. It's like ridiculous. Yeah. Um. I, I mean, I think Pitt's a better team than than Tennessee. But if, I mean, if you're if you're going into a hundred and nine thousand people, I mean, if, like if Nealon is like rocking, I mean, that's gonna be that's gonna be tough. Yeah, it is. Um, and I like Kenny Pickett, their quarterback. He is a vet. I think he's probably been in school for at least six years at this point. Um, they played UMass last week, which is also 
bowling they probably battle bowling green for the worst fbs team in the country um but they were seven yards per play generated five sacks spread the ball around to a bunch of different receivers they look pretty good their defense uh was really stingy against the run last year and they Mm -hmm. while they did have those two pass rushers they were really good at stopping the run as well um they gave up less than 100 yards a game yeah Pitt is six and three against the spread as an away favorite under Narduzzi. Tennessee over the last year, ten years is nine and fourteen against the spread as a home dog. Um, just as far as trends are concerned, sharps are on the over in this game, so they do expect it to be a little bit more high scoring. I see that? Uh, unfortunately for Tennessee fans, I'm going to take Pitt to win this game. I do not feel good at all about taking two ACC teams on the road in an SEC environment to win. So I, I have a feeling I'm going to lose one of these games. Um, but I'm going to take Pitt to win this game. I like I like Pickett. Um, I'm going to something like 35-28, which put the, would, would put the game over, have Pitt cover. Uh, ultimately, I think there's some late scores there by Tennessee to make it a little bit closer. Um, I just think Pitt is an established program under one coach. I think he's been there for like seven years. Mm-hmm. And Tennessee is just getting off. It's just a bad timing and a bad matchup, I think, at this stage of Tennessee's rebuild. Yeah, so uh, Tennessee's defense looked really good last week, and that gives me like a little bit of hope for them. But I'm kind of with you, man, I, and I hate to I hate to do this because I feel like we don't give Tennessee enough credit on this podcast in general. But I mean, Tennessee, I they're not there at that that like that level yet as a program, you know. And, and I think that when you look at like a, this pit team, they're going to put up points. Just bottom line, and, and I think they're going to get stops as well. And and this is like one of those games. Like if you're if you're Pitt, if you're an ACC school, this is like a blue blood, like you know, like this is a helmet game where you have like the like the logo on the side of the helmet. Me, it means way more than than most of the other games. Like it definitely like more than UMass, but like this is an opportunity where you get to kind of possibly kick one of these programs like a blue blood while they're down and get them at like the best time for your program. So I think there'll be extra hype for it, especially being on the road. I just, I, I think that it's, it'll be close for the first half. And then I think once you get into the second half, I don't think that they're going to be able to keep pace with, uh, with, with Pitt for 60 minutes. I think mainly because yeah. you said about Joe Milton. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. Let's go a little more national for some, some ranked games. And then we'll end with a couple more sec matchups that we really like, um, or, I guess maybe half SEC, half future SEC. Yeah. There. Uh, let's start uh, Saturday noon, another noon game, Eastern time on Fox, number 12, Oregon at number three, Ohio State. This line opened at 12 and a half. Ohio State was quickly bet up to 14 and a half by the public and sharps. A uh, couple quick stats here. Ohio State has only been less than a two touchdown favorite at home once in their 22 game winning streak in Columbus. Wow. Oregon has only been an underdog of more than 14 points once since 2008, which is a long time, Chris. That's when I graduated wow. college. Yeah, me, like not me. Um, we That's started when you should have time. graduated college. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as my mom reminds me all the time. Yeah. Uh, we'll start with Oregon here. Um, they didn't look great in the season opener against Fresno State. This was another bet she I called. had. Yep. Uh, Fresno plus 20 and a half. They actually trailed early in the fourth quarter before they won 31-24. Um Offensively, it was a struggle, which scares me going into this game. The 172 passing yards, 
which is just not it in the in the uh, current game. Um, they averaged 3.8 yards per carry on the ground, which isn't very good either. They did right. force three turnovers uh, that led to two touchdowns for them, and they did hold Fresno State to 75 yards rushing, which is pretty good defense. But there's huge news in this game. Kayvon Thibodeau, who's a future guaranteed top five pick, sprained his ankle in the Fresno State game, and he is questionable for this game. And I, people that I, when I've been listening to coverage of the game, it sounds like they're planning on not having him. I haven't seen anything uh, as of, you know, today when we're recording, which is Thursday. Uh, they also lost a senior linebacker, Drew Mathis. He is out for the game this week. Right. Did you, were you able to watch any of that game? I know it's probably, I don't even know if it was on TV. Down the here Oregon game? No. Yeah. No. I know we're big. We're a big Oregon podcast now, so I just didn't know. We should back off that a little bit. Okay, but yes, right. we are. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's my bad. <laughs> um, uh, Ohio State. We were both watching this game last Thursday. CJ Stroud, man, I was texting you like he just that first half. I was like, what's going on here? Ooh, this kid he does lost. not look good. Um, second half was a different story. Threw for two hundred forty-six yards, four touchdowns. I mean, total turnaround. Some of it was because of that gruesome damn injury by the Minnesota running back. Felt horrible oh, for that gosh. kid. Awful. Um, they were a big play offense. Most of their damage came on big plays. Four of their five touchdowns on offense were 56 yards or longer. So they're they're just taking shots with those ridiculous right. receivers. Uh, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson combined for 197 yards and three touchdowns. Told told the podcast you got to watch out for Travion Henderson, true freshman. Took a screen pass 70 yards to the Jeez. house. They didn't look great on defense, honestly, against Minnesota. They have seven first-time starters on defense, um, including two freshman corners. So I kind of like the over in this game, but what are you looking at for this game as far as uh, betting is concerned? I mean, honestly, I, like 14 points is a lot for a, a, a team like Oregon it's, that is a you know perennial top 15 team. Um, I, I think they're really well coached under somebody like Mario Cristobal. It, it's weird thinking they're like a defense first, um, but you're already without the best player in the country, right? Like yeah. there's no way he's going to be able to suit up and play. I, going to Ohio state, like, you know, you have a first year starter at quarterback for Oregon. You're going to Columbus. It's well over a hundred thousand people. You, and you talk about like a year ago, you know, you're playing in front of empty stadiums especially in the Pac-12, and you have a... Like and before a that, that QB was playing for BC, so he was probably playing in front of 20,000 people a year. Exactly. <laughs> a week. So it's, that's just such a big difference. And like, in, if you struggle with Fresno State, I just feel like... I mean, Ohio State does what they always do, and you know, and they did what they always do against Minnesota, which seems like they get our hopes up that they might lose. It's like a really close first half. And in the second half, talent takes over, and they just pull away. Um, I think, I think when you have more eyes, like, you know, watching this game, it's, I mean, it's nationally televised. Obviously I know the last game was too, but a big, big, like, like matchup between the best team, most likely from the PAC 12. And then obviously the best team from the big 10, I think Ryan day just puts it like, put it together. I think this week, like, yeah. like his game, but because he's such a good offensive coach anyway, and CJ Stroud, like if, if he put two halves together, like he did last week like in the second half. Oh my God. I mean, they, they would, I, mean, I honestly, I, that's why I picked him to go to the national championship game. Cause they're going to be tough to beat because you have weapons everywhere. Um, yeah. I'm saying to take Ohio state to cover and, and win big. Um, I think the play I would take is the over in this game. Um, 
as far as what I feel most confident about the, the total has gone over in four of Ohio state's last five games when playing as the favorite and has gone over four and this, uh, and, and six of the last seven games they've played in total. Um, I hate that hook that has appeared at 14 yeah. and a half. I, I would probably make it a no bet. If I had to take a side, I would take Ohio state. I like Ryan day a lot more than I like Mario Cristobal as a coach. Mario Cristobal yeah. has done a great job of recruiting at Oregon. They've had some of the best classes stacked on top of each other that they've ever had in program history. But Cristobal, I don't trust him as a game coach, uh, in-game coach, as right. nearly as much as I do Ryan Day. I mean, I take that game against Minnesota, for example. We knew that would be a pretty hostile environment for them to go into. And Minnesota, uh, under P.J. Fleck, is always kind of making moves. Um, and he just, that second half... They were ridiculous on offense. So, well, I mean, you think think uh, about the fact that like CJ Stroud was the weak link, like for Ohio State in the first half. I mean, he he looked inconsistent. He looked like he didn't have any confidence. And you go into the second half with like, you know, enough horses to like run the football at not at will. But I mean, with like Travion Henderson, you've got a really good back. You've got a a big offensive line. Uh, I think Minnesota was without their best defensive lineman as well you could have just ran the ball and, and just gotten super, super conservative. And I think most coaches would have mm-hmm. and instead they just started airing it out. And, and, you know, I think he, I forgot exactly what the wording was, but he said something to him. He's like, dude, I mean, you got this, like, you know, you're fine. Like these are, these are throws that you've made a thousand times. And he right. comes out in the second half, gets all of his confidence back and just lights up Minnesota. I, I just think that, I don't know if he puts two full halves together. I don't, I don't know if he just it has like one of these like Justin Fields, Dwayne Haskins game where he's like six touchdowns, but in front of a, that many fans for the first time, like in, in two years, I just, I don't see Oregon being able to keep their composure. Agreed. Uh, next national game and last national game, number 10, Iowa at number nine, Iowa state. Uh, this is where game day is this week. Jack Trice Stadium, Ames, Iowa, 4.30 Eastern time on ABC. Iowa State, four and a half point favorites, over under 46 and a half. Gotta love it. It's a Big Ten over under if I've ever seen one. Yeah. Uh, lined open at, oh, uh, at Iowa State, minus six and a half. But that Iowa, so hot right now. Oh my gosh. Everyone's on it. Um, they crushed number 17, Indiana, 34 to six last week. Their seventh straight victory dating back to last year. Not only did they beat Indiana in that time, but they also beat Penn State and Wisconsin. Um, the defense was really good last week, especially against yeah. the pass. They had three picks, including two pick sixes. They held Michael Penix to 200 passing yards. Lots of public money on the Hawkeyes. Um, mm-hmm. Probably for good reason. They looked really good. On the other side, Iowa State. Expectations very high in Ames. Uh, probably the highest they've ever been. Season Oprah put a little bit of damper on those expectations. They were 28 and a half point favorites over Northern Iowa and they won 16 to 10 scoring one touchdown. Um, Brock Purdy looked underwhelming. Brees Hall, their, their all-star running back was bottled up. I personally um, am probably willing to look past week one as maybe like a tune up that went a little wrong and they just pulled it out. Um, probably didn't want to put too much on tape uh, for Iowa to look at, but Matt Campbell has never beaten Iowa. 0-5. As, as good as Matt Campbell has been for Iowa State, he's never been, beat Iowa before. Um, I'll give you my pick, and then I'll let you go into it. They, uh, Iowa State does get their All-American tight end back. who didn't play last week. Um, I do see a low-scoring low affair. Um, Iowa State, has their total has gone under in six straight games. 
And uh, in their last five games as a favorite, they've gone under. But this is a crazy stat. Iowa hasn't lost by more than a field goal to Iowa State in 14 straight meetings. That's ridiculous. Um, but, but like, I feel like like that four and a half is like I would I would take the under every time. Well, I'm definitely taking the under. Um, this game is always close. I I think I uh, look. I, I picked Iowa State to make the playoffs, so I got to stick with them here. Um, this is part of the week one of reactions. I think they're going to win. I, I think Iowa covers 24-21 Iowa State. They get it done. Um, it's at home, but the under has hit 13 of the last 15 times these guys have played each other. <laughs> so Ridiculous. Um, I, I like Iowa State, but Iowa to cover. Breaking news right now. DeAndre Swift is being accused of murder, I believe. Wait, what? Yeah. I don't know any of the details. Um, I, so, Hold on. I, <laughs> like, I just, I, this was said to me by two people. It's Lions head coach Dan Campbell and the recent rumors surrounding DeAndre Swift. If I'm being honest, I love it. Those are the kind of guys we want. That's, this isn't real. Um, yeah, okay. I was about to say, yeah. it's already, yeah. <laughs> I, I, so, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I, somebody sent me a police report and it's kind of grainy because they didn't, what in the hell? Anyway, well, if it's just rumors, let's not talk about it yet. Fair enough. Um, I, I'm going to take Iowa State. I, I feel like everybody's yeah. on Iowa right now. Um, everyone, everyone, and, and with probably with good reason. You know, I think that like, but it's the same thing. Kind of we talked about with Mississippi State, where you have you know the five turnovers or six turnovers and, and like the twelve penalties. You're not going to get two pick sixes this week, most likely, right? You know, and I think the fact that you're in Ames. Um, and this is like the monkey you got to get off your back if you're if you're Matt Campbell because I mean five straight losses to your in-state uh, rival. I've also never understood why they play this game early in this in the year. Makes no sense yeah. to me. Um, I, but I just feel like everyone being on Iowa usually it, like when the public is overwhelmingly on one side, you don't want to be on that side. Yeah. And I would definitely take Iowa State to cover. Um, I love that under stat you 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 threw out there. But I'm going to take Iowa State like to win outright because I, I feel like if you have, especially you brought it up at the, the start of the podcast, you, like teams improve the most right from week one to week two. There should be like a, a drastic improvement, and and they have the talent. I think they returned 40 of their 44 on their two deep on offensive defense. Um, they returned like 20 starters, something like that. It's just crazy, right? And you have a fantastic quarterback that led you to New Year's Six Bowl last year. You have the best running back maybe in the country, um, put up ridiculous numbers a year ago. I, I just feel like Iowa, especially on the road, I, I just don't trust Iowa to, to you know, stay hot, like you said, I guess. It's so hot right now. Um, that I Iowa is you know, so hot right now. It'll be an ugly game, I think. Uh, but, of course, yeah. I said that last week, and it wasn't even close. All right, let's finish this off with two SEC games that I'm really intrigued by. Uh, the first one... We'll go all SEC matchup. Missouri at Kentucky, 7.30 this Saturday, September 11th on SEC Network at Kroger Field. Worst name in the SEC, in my opinion. Of a field. Uh, Lexington, Kentucky. Kentucky currently a five and a half point favorite over under 56. Um, Missouri last week, close game, weirdly even without the shark humper, the shark humper didn't even coach in the game. He, he had an emergency no. appendectomy surgery on the Wednesday before the game. 
Um, so they, they, what they win by 10 last week against central Michigan. Um, yeah, 34, 24 Tyler Beatty went off. Tyler Beatty was like running like a man possessed in that game. 205 yards, 44 receiving yards, two total touchdowns. Uh, he's taking over for Larry Roundtree. It looks like, and just, they're just going to feed him the ball. It looks like, um, Connor Basilak, pretty good, efficient, no turnovers, uh, 250 yards passing two touchdowns, nothing really outstanding. Missouri had nine sacks in that game, which is the most they've had since 2009. Um, but, you know, kind of an underwhelming performance from Missouri. And on the other side, Kentucky, man, their fans got to be excited after that first game. I mean, right. Um, I'm sure they got a little nervous when the first pass that Levis ever made gets picked. Um, but, you know, it was it was it was tipped. And and outside of that, man, Liam Cohen's offense Levis was incredible. 18 of 26 for 367 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, he did have the one pick and their offense just different. You know, a lot of motion, a lot of shifts, getting the ball out to playmakers. I'm surprised how quickly the offense was looking in sync and in, you know, regard, regardless of opponent, right? I mean, it's right. week one, um, you had our boy, Wandell, Wandell, uh, electric in the first game, 125 yards receiving, two touchdowns. Chris Rodriguez doing Chris Rodriguez things. Always. Um, ULM, I mean, they suck. Terry Bowden squad, they got a lot of work to do. They had 110, like what, 97 yards of offense, I think it was? Yeah, they had 87. 87 <laughs> total yards of offense. That's, that is so bad. So bad. That's real um, bad. Steve Wilkes defense, I mean, the staple is they want to stop the run. And if this was old Kentucky offense, that's what they did. So if it, it got shut down, they'd be in trouble. Um, they're going to want to force Kentucky to win one-on-one matchups. And they didn't look great in the first game trying to do that against Central Michigan. Um, I think with, you know, Robinson, Josh Alley, who had a big game last week, Rodriguez, I think they're going to get it done against Missouri. Um, this is that one of those key games for both of these programs. Like who's right. going to be right behind Georgia and Florida for third in the East and potentially start making that step up to try to compete with some of those guys. I feel like this matchup is going to go to Kentucky. I like that it's at home. I thought their new offense looked really good. And I thought Missouri's new defense didn't look so good. Um, Again, I don't want to overreact too much to week one. But um, and and in that regard, I think there will be a little bit of a slowing down of the offense. I think this game will go under. But I like Kentucky to win by a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, I, I hate I hate the five and a half point spread. It's it's, it's my least favorite. It just it's awful. Um, and, and you know, I wonder I wonder how much of Mizzou's like week one performance was like maybe looking ahead to this game because I mean this is a big big matchup for both teams. Like we said, I just you know say what you want to about the name of that field, Kroger Field. Yeah. I just they Kentucky's different at home. I think it's I think it's huge that they get this matchup at home, especially when you're talking about like a brand new offense. Um, you know, we, we saw it obviously week one, they look fantastic, but you're going to have some, you know, it's like some speed bumps here, right? Um, you're facing an SEC school. It's a, it's a team that is, I think they beat them last year, like 20 to 10. They kind of ran all over them. I just feel like if you're, if you're um, Kentucky, right? Hold on one second. If you're in Kentucky and you get this team, like, on their heels at all, which you can because Connor Basilak's not going to go out there outside of that LSU game last year at the start of the season. 
I don't think he's a guy that's going to go out there and win you a ball game. I don't, I don't know if he has that it factor anyway. It, I, Will Levis absolutely does. And the fact that you're going to have to like match up with, with Ali and Robinson and then also figure out a way to stop Chris Rodriguez, it, you know, like the fact they had, they had two 100 receivers, which I don't know if that's ever happened um, in Kentucky history. And then you talk about the fact that they have uh, a third who had 83 yards as well. I, I just, they're spreading the ball around. Um, they had more, they had more, 30, I think it was 30 yard plus plays or 40 yard plus plays in that game than they did all last season. I mean, think about that. Yeah, that's crazy. So if if they can be explosive again, um, which I think they can be, and again, this is like one of those where they're both circled on the calendar. I I just I think that I think Kentucky wins. I don't I don't know. I don't want to say it's gonna be big, but I kind of see it being like a double digit win. I, I, I mean, honestly, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think they definitely covered the spread, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was a double digit. I just like I like where Kentucky's headed right now. Yeah. Uh, last game of the week, number 15, Texas at Arkansas, Saturday night, 7 p.m., ESPN, Donald W. Fateful Arkansas. Hell Arkansas yeah. is a seven-point underdog at home, over under 56. Our boy Ty Richardson over there at the Morning Rush in ESPN Arkansas. When we when we did the preview for Arkansas, he said that it's going to be lit for this game over there in the Donald He's been hyped, W. Man. Reynolds Razorback Stadium. Um, Texas opened as a six point favorite. Early betting has moved that to Texas minus seven. Um, let's start with Arkansas. Last week they trailed Rice ten to seven at the half, and they were down seventeen seven early in the third quarter. KJ Jefferson, I don't know your opinion. Uh, he didn't look great to start. No. Um, you know, they did end up rattling off 31 unanswered points and covered the 20 point spread. So if you're if you were on Arkansas, that's a hell of a run there. But his legs, KJ Jefferson's are his best attribute. I mean, ran for 89 yards, two touchdowns last week on only nine carries. Um, Traylon Burks came out. He admitted he was rusty in that game. He barely practiced uh, leading up uh, to that game in camp. So hopefully you'll get a better version of him for this game. You're going to need it. Uh, the defense forced three sure. turnovers last week. What were your impressions of Arkansas last week? I mean, pretty bad, pretty underwhelming, yeah. right? And I think that, like, I think they forced all three turnovers in the fourth quarter. Um, so again, if I, it's almost like the theme of this this week's episode is that like things that probably aren't going to stay um, the same as they were in week one. I, I don't know if they necessarily do that, but you look at like dating back to the start of last year, this Barry Odom defense, I mean, they've, they've had a total of 16 interceptions. Um, and a lot of that's like, going to kind of come in bulk, you know, talk about the six that you had of Matt Corral. You talk about like you had three against, um, against rice. Like you said, what worries me is the fact that they were, they were trailing in the fourth quarter. Like yeah. it wasn't just close, right? Like, but it, they were trailing at home. And part of that, maybe you're looking ahead, maybe, but I mean, I don't think you're at a place in that for that program where you're like you could do that, right? You, right. Like, where you can afford to do that. The offense was was really concerning because I think I think the defense has some guys on there like you know Catalan and, and uh, Grant Morgan stuff like that. Like they have some playmakers and some like good ball players, right? Like all SEC caliber players. The offense without Traylon Burks looked pedestrian, like at best, right? It just I feel like I mean seven points at home. Against a team that, you know, I don't, Texas, they're not world beaters. They're not like Texas of the past. 
Um, you know, I saw like one, one breakdown of this and they were talking about how the, the talent gap is just so big between Texas and, and Arkansas, like where, where each program is at right now. I don't know if that's necessarily that true. Like from, from like a 22 standpoint, you know what I mean? Like, like where your starters are. I, I don't really know if that's true. You do have B. John Robinson. You do have, you know, he's one of the best backs. I think that what you're able to see from Sark with him, you know, this is a, a back that's like put up a lot of rushing yards, right? He's put up a lot of numbers. Um, on the ground, but he had four receptions for 73 yards this past week as well, which is a, a difference, um, a different part of his game that we didn't really see as much last year. Then you talk about Sark and I know it's with Alabama, but as the OC at Bama, the past two years combined, you know, he's beaten Arkansas a hundred to 10 <laughs> combined score. Um, <laughs> I mean, so he's familiar with, with like that team, that defense and, and what to do. I, I, I will go back to the same thing I said for the Oregon game. You have a you have a freshman quarterback who, I mean, bottom line, who's a game manager in game one. Um, you're not going to have that many things like where you're going to like throw him into the fire. I feel like in game one, especially against a good uh, Louisiana team, you're going on the road. You haven't played in front of a, a crowd like this at all. Eighty thousand people, and I mean, this game has been circled for a fucking minute. Yeah. Like, I mean, Arkansas fans are fired up about this game. Um, and just a bitter, bitter, I mean, if you're if, like Ty, Ty is like 25 years old and, and even he brought up the fact that like that 1963 game, um, I, that is absurd to me. You know what I mean? Like, like if, it, but if you have like, I guess a hatred, um, and a, and a rivalry that runs like that deep and that old, and it matters to people that age, um, who were like negative 30 years old when that game was played. I think it's going to be a closer game than, than people are giving Arkansas credit for because of how they looked against Rice. A seven-point underdog at home. Sam Pittman's eight and three against the spread. Eight and three. And they've been an underdog in every single one of those games. Um, you know, I, I think they cover. I think it's closer than, than we, you know, some, some of like the, the experts think. Um, I think Texas probably wins just because I don't, I don't know if Arkansas has the fire, like the offensive firepower um, to keep up with. Sark and what he's going to be able to do with that offense. So I'm going to take Texas to win, but I think it's like a, you know, 31, 28, 35, 31 type game. I thought Texas's week one performance was one of the more impressive performances last week. Mm -hmm. uh, you win a game by 20 over Louisiana, a team who returned almost all of their starters off a team that went yeah. 10 and one the year before upset Iowa state and app state on the road last year. Uh, they Louisiana was a popular public pick against the spread. Mm -hmm. I think it was eight, and the game was never really in doubt for Texas. They looked really no. good on both sides of the ball. You mentioned B. John Robinson; he's a beast. Um, they're not great at protecting the quarterback, so if Arkansas can get to the QB, it, they they may have some success here. But Texas was a very nice sixty nine percent on third down conversions last week. Um, I don't know if they can probably do that. That's a ridiculous clip. 70%, you know, conversions yeah. on third downs. Um, but Arkansas is one in 16 straight up in its last 17 games as a, a, a home underdog with an average margin of loss of 17 oh. points per game. Um, Arkansas has also gone under in six of their last seven games at home. So I like the under in this game, under 56, and I'll take Texas minus seven. There you go. All right, fair enough. All right, that's going to be it. Uh, Chris, I'm so excited to watch another week. I'm just so happy to be back in the swing of things with football. We had a great week one. Um, 
Anything else you want to say before we, we let the podcast listeners get back to their days? Call the hotline. We're going to yes. figure out the audio. I mean, we actually had the audio set up from last week, but it just, um, you know, just to be honest, Uncle Chris is, was just not in, a, in the best of places and didn't really want to keep going on with the podcast. This week, feeling better. Let's do it. Call in the, uh, maybe I need to call the therapy hotline, but yeah. call the therapy hotline on game day, especially if you've been drinking um, just an excess amount. Honestly, I would love to get like Texas and Arkansas fans on that because if that ends up being a close game, chef's kiss. There you go. Love the Texas Pete hotline. I just did it. Right. I just did it for Texas Pete. I love it. it Works well. Uh, so anyways, we appreciate you guys listening. For Chris, I'm Tyler. We'll see you next week.